the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. So this is a gospel that we hear many times, that we've read many times. Um, it's also a gospel that we read every time there's five Sundays in a month, in a Coptic month, then we'll, we, um, this gospel of the feeding of the 5,000 will be read. It also shows up in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the gospel of John. So this is actually one of the few uh, miracles that shows up in all four Gospels. The, the things that show up in the Gospel of John tend to be very different from the things that show up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so we find Jesus here with his disciples and he's been preaching and the people have been gathering and gathering and following him and gathering and gathering. And then the disciples go to Jesus, they realize something. They realize if these people stay for much longer, we're gonna have to feed them dinner. You know, when you invite people over for tea and they come over at like two in the afternoon and it's like five and they're still there, you know, and then, right, it's one of those, right? And, he's, and the disciples are like, we, ha we don't have anything in the fridge. You know, we were, we were going out for dinner, right? And you're kind of embarrassed. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna do? Something along those lines, right? But I want us to take this gospel personally for each one of us. Just last night, I got a, a text message from someone who is suffering a lot. And this person said at the end of their text message, Abuna, I feel like I'm starting to fall apart. I think this is going to be the end of me. I think this is going to be the end of me. Have you ever said those words? I think this is going to be the end of me. I think this is what's going to do me in. I think this is what's going to get me, you know? This is what's going to kill me, right? I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there where I felt that, that I had a problem which has no solution. I want you to take that thing, whatever it is, and put it in the forefront of your mind. And that, what that is to you these thousands upon thousands of people that were gathering, that's what that was to the disciples. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. And then they came up with a solution. They told Jesus, we figured it out. We've got it, okay? We've got it. Are you ready, Jesus? We've got the solution. Send them away. <laughs> Send them home, <laughs> right? Like, they said the solution, you know, the solution, when I don't know a solution to my problem, the solution is, pull the covers over my head. Maybe it will go away, right? Send them away. It's hilarious. Jesus says, if you don't come to me, you will scatter. Jesus is the gatherer. The disciples now want to scatter. This is demonic. Always God is the one who wants to gather find the disciples now have resorted to something demonic. They want to scatter. They want to send the people away. Why? Because their reasoning was, was demonic. And honestly, I don't blame them in any way, shape, or form. I'm not any better than they are in any way, shape, or form. But they say to Jesus two things. They have two pieces of logic which the devil uses with me and with you as well. Number one, look, Jesus, let's be logical, okay? Number one, we are in a deserted place here. 
Like Jesus didn't realize that, right? Number two, the hour is already late. And the demons say exactly the same words to us. They say to us, you are in a deserted place. Look around. Do you find any solutions? Do you see any resources? Do you see anything that can help? Do you? No. You are deserted. You are deserted. You are alone. How many of us, when we go through a tough thing, the first thing that we feel is alone? And that's why when St. Paul is teaching us about temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which we often colloquially quote as God will give you something too big for you or, and so on. The first thing he says is no temptation has overcome you except that which is common to man. That's the first part of the verse. No temptation has overcome you except that which is common to man. He's saying that, you know what? St. Paul is saying, you know what? You're not the first person to go through this. You're not the last person to go through this. The demons tell us you're deserted. You're alone. No one understands. No one knows how you feel. And how many of us have said those words? If we find the disciples saying those words, you're, you're in a deserted place here. You're alone. They're the last thing from alone. They have Jesus. I have Jesus. I have the King of Glory. I have, this is for later in the sermon, but I can't help but, but, but say it now. I, I have what St. Paul describes as the only potentate. Do you know what that means? Potentate comes from potential. The only one, the only one with power. The only potentate, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to Him be honor and everlasting power and all glory. Amen. We heard in the Pauline today. See, St. Paul says in the, in the Pauline today, he says, For godliness with contentment is great gain. But some people have you started to use godliness as a means of gain. And this is very bad. And then he goes on and on to talk about how bad the trust, trusting in money is. You see, the, the issue is not the issue is not having money. The issue is trusting in money. Of course, it's, it's very hard to trust in money if you don't have any. And if you have money, it's so hard not to trust in it. When I get a flat tire, when this happens, when that happens, when some unforeseen thing happens, what, who do I turn to? My Visa card. Who do I turn to? My wallet. Who do I turn to? What I had saved up for a rainy day. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have something saved up for a rainy day. I'm not saying that you shouldn't save and you should squander and so on. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that before I turn to my wallet, before I turn to my bank card, before I turn to my visa, why not turn to God? Why not get down on my knees and say, Lord, what do you want? Maybe God allowed me to get this flat tire because he wanted somebody to stop and to help me. Because that person needed to help somebody. And maybe I needed to be helped. Maybe I needed to have some faith that, that there's still good people left in the world, strangers who will stop and help you. Maybe, 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 maybe a million things. Maybe calling my senior people that I already paid for and my roadside assistance stuff that I already paid for, that I this, that I that, with my money, money, money. Maybe that's not the solution. 
Maybe, or maybe it is. But maybe it's not. Maybe just stop for a second, pause, John, get down on your knees, pray and ask God by the side of the road, Lord, what do you want me to do? There's another man who his whole life was changed by stopping by the side of the road, kneeling down and asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? His name was Saul of Tarsus. We know him as the great St. Paul who preached the whole known world. And he is telling us, he is telling us that the only potentate, the only one with real power in this world is Jesus. Everything else comes and goes. I've got lots of friends who are in business. These guys are brilliant. These guys make money out of thin air. These guys have seen good days and man, have they seen bad days. Every single one of them. Every single one of them knows what it's like to feel like you're gonna lose it all. Like they're gonna come, they're gonna take away your house, your car, your this, your that. You're gonna lose it all. They've all been there. Because that's, that's what they do. They take risks so they can make money. They know, they know without a shadow of a doubt that some days you have some and some days you don't. And that money is not gonna make you happy nor is it going to solve your problems. It helps, it helps if you know what you want in life, but it doesn't, it, it's not something that you can trust. You are in a deserted place here. The second thing the demons say to us, and sometimes we repeat, is the hour is already late. Jesus, I know, I know you're, you're the, you do the whole voluntary poverty thing, Jesus, and you don't have a watch, but it's getting late. Look at the sun. It's, uh, you know, these people, they've got at least a couple hours to walk before they can go home and get some, something to eat. We've got we to send them home now. How many times do the demons say to us, the hour is already late. You're running out of time. You know, you have two. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. It took me years. I used to say this all the time at work. It took me years to realize that this is demonic. You have two options, okay? Option A is pretty good. Option B is so much worse. So limit your losses and take option A. That presumes that there are only two options. That presumes there's only option A and option B. That presumes that there is no creator who is able to create from nothing into something, from non-existence into existence, option C, D, E, F, G, the whole way through A prime, B prime, C prime, the whole way through double A prime, double B prime, and on to infinity. What happened to that? What happened to that God? The hour is already late. We're running out of time. These are stress tactics. These are stress tactics. Every time, every time I go to buy a car, they tell me that they have some kind of promotion that ends today at 5 p.m. Every, I don't know, these people come up with promotions that end every day at 5 p.m. or something. I don't get it, right? Never fall for it. Come back tomorrow, they'll give you the same thing and probably better, right? You're running out of time. Don't fall for it. Jesus doesn't fall for it. 
In another version of this gospel, they say to Jesus, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't feed these people. A denarii or a denarius, denarii is the plural, denarius is the singular, a denarius was the day pay for, for <coughs> a minimum wage worker. So you have a field, you hire somebody, they come and they work 10 hours for you. What's their day pay? 10 hours at minimum wage here would be what? 14 and 140 something, right? So 200 times that, $28,000. They're saying $28,000 wouldn't be enough to feed all of these people. 15, 20,000 people that were there. Now, I have a question for you. Isn't it funny that Jesus preached a sermon that gathered 20,000 people and nobody ever stopped to say what it was that Jesus said? What was Jesus saying that merited 20,000 people to spend their entire day following him, so much so that they didn't have enough time to get home and get a meal? They would have gone home after dark and they had to be fed on the spot. What, what did Jesus say? We'll never know. Why? Because the disciples never wrote it down. Why? Because they weren't listening to the sermon. They were worried about what they're going to feed the people. You and I do the same thing. God is working wonders and miracles in my life that hundreds of thousands of people would kill to just get a glimpse of, and I have floor court seats right, and the miracle is happening right in front of me, and I'm worried about what I'm going to feed the people who don't want to leave from my tea party. And God is doing a miracle right in front of me, but I'm lost in my head. I'm lost in my head listening to demonic thoughts that are telling me we're in a deserted place and the hour is already late. What a shame. Maybe when we get to the kingdom we can ask Jesus, what was that sermon about anyways? We'll never know while we're here because nobody wrote it down. I don't know that they weren't listening. Maybe that's a very unfair accusation. But they didn't write it down. They didn't say, what was the sermon about? What was the sermon about that gathered 5,000 men, let alone women and children? Nobody knows. Don't be, don't be like that. The person who misses all the wonderful things God is doing in our lives because we're worried. But rather, instead of giving our, our courage and our trust in money, St. Paul tells us in the Pauline today, let us put our trust in the only potentate, who has the power to help us. In the Pauline, we saw that, that Jesus gave a beautiful promise to St. Paul as he was entering Corinth. That part was before the reading. Before St. Paul went to Corinth, he got stoned to death. He literally got stoned and they thought he was dead. They gathered him up, they gathered the pieces together so they could bury him or whatever they were going to do and he came back to life. And then he went preaching, continued preaching. But then the Lord says to him, go to Corinth, and don't be afraid to speak, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or hurt you. So he goes to Corinth. What happens? The Jews, after he's there for a while, take him and make a riot and get him, you know, into custody. He's going up to the proconsul. This was today's reading. He's going up to the proconsul, and he's about to open his mouth. And the proconsul looks at the Jews, and he says, 
you folks are always bringing me somebody that you complain about, that you whatever, that has something to do with some intricacy of your teachings and your laws and your beliefs. And you guys just waste my time. Take this guy and take these people and get them all out of my face. He didn't even, he was about, the reading today in Acts says, he, and as Paul was about to open his mouth, the proconsul said, like, he didn't even have a chance to defend himself. God had already solved the problem. God is telling you and he's telling me what, what was in the psalm today. What was in the psalm today. Usually I begin with the psalm, but I'm concluding with it today. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord is near to those who call upon him in truth. Let us, you and I, not listen to the stress-inducing voices in our heads. Not listen to those things in our head that are saying you're running out of time, you're all alone, no one will help you, you don't know what's going all those words. let you and let us make a commitment in the liturgy today that we're going to turn our face away from those voices and turn them towards the only potentate the king of kings and the lord of lords and say to him lord to you be all the glory to you be all the power to you be all the might this day and forever and always amen glory be to god forever and ever. forgive me my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters please pray for me